In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, Sexual Expectations, Version 2, A Wife's Journey to Greater Sex. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. Man versus Marriage. Welcome back to another episode of Man versus Marriage. It is I, the Q Dog in the Moran Family Studio with my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. Hi, baby. Hello, love. And as we jump right back in between the sheets, we are going to talk some more about sexual expectations. And we had, uh, last episode, we had a fantastic conversation, about 54 minutes worth. <laughs> but something, uh, as we got back in the studio and you were doing some recap of your own, you realized that there were many things that were left out. So we're going to give this bonus episode to the guys um, so that they get this. And, and for the ladies who listen, they'll they'll be able to discover what... It is about sex that could be hindering them and maybe some strategies that will help them to move farther along in their sexual health and and how to understand what their expectations are, how to communicate that with their spouse, and how to open, like, really just break the ice and tear down the taboo walls when it comes to the conversation about sex in marriage. I think it, it's... Um... It was actually a journal entry that I wrote because I was trying to put together notes and then I started having remembering some things and how I was feeling and um, so I just scribbled it out to get it out of my head and um, something that just started kind of really hammering me was where did my beliefs come from when it came to intimacy and sex in a marriage and um, what had those things done to kind of warp who I became or who I was when it came to having sex with you and why um, I felt like I couldn't explore or I couldn't, um, I couldn't want something different. You know, it, it took me kind of took me by surprise. It was actually one of those times when you're writing something and you're thinking about something and you're, you're sitting there and you're like slamming yourself. Like what is wrong with you? Like why did I let all this crap, dictate to me what we could and couldn't do or what I could or couldn't do and um so we we talked in the last episode the last episode was totally off the cuff not scripted no um beforehand real discussion and so when well I'm, to just jump in there real quick that's the way we chose to do these and it, what it you're going to read to the to the guys you're you're going to be reading to me for the first time because it was important it, it is important to me for them to hear how these conversations take place for real. Yeah, doing it, when we start doing this live with the YouTube thing, it's going to be interesting because they're going to see the facial expressions and the, um, the silent communication that goes on between us as these conversations are taking place. But Yeah, and so I just want to make you aware, guys, that as you hear this, 
you know, we had some generalized discussion about the way we were going to go and what the topics may be, but these are truly open in the moment discussions, not rehearsed in the raw, unedited in as much as, you know, there's some production that we put on here, but you're going to hear, unless we go somewhere that we don't want people to hear, which I will always let you know, then it's going to be the unedited version, the raw version of how this conversation happens so that it will help you, you know, equip you in your relationship because that's what we are trying. That's what we endeavor to do is help you hear these conversations and then navigate them in your own relationship as well. Yeah, I I just wanted to kind of go through like where my mindset was and all of this Again, some of this he knows because we've talked about it before, but this was just my own writings. But at the same time, these were all of my thoughts. This is nothing that was his fault, what he did or anybody else did. This was how I perceived what I had been taught, what I had seen. Um, And it warped my thought process on how this was supposed to go. Thankfully, we've had some help along the way and we fixed that. But we'll just, we'll jump right into it. Um, So this was kind of where my thoughts went on loving your spouse on purpose and how I had to go from what I saw in my own home, what I saw in other marriages around me and, um, you know, conversations with friends who had been sexually active when they were younger, older relationships that I had being sexually active and how those played out and the impact that they all had when it came down to um, molding myself and what I thought about myself. Yeah. So when we first married, um, I struggled physically with our sex life, not just because of obvious reasons. I mean, Q was a lot bigger than me. I was a small person. So we had to make arrangements to make the mechanics work. We had to figure some things out in the beginning. We didn't have a problem figuring that out, but it was still uncomfortable in the beginning of, how does this work? You know, both mm-hmm. my parents are, are, well, not now, but they were not big people. So, well, in all fairness, neither one of them, or maybe both of them combined, aren't really as big as I was on my own. It, well, it's not even that. It's, and this is stupid, but again, I we were young. We were really, really young. So, you know, looking at your 300 plus pounds and my 115, it was like, dude, this is. You could crush me. And I didn't mean that to be a jerk. It was it was an honest concern of we're going to have to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, halfway through our honeymoon, my period started, which totally screwed up the entire honeymoon. I was already, um, you know, we're already nervous. This is new. We're also excited because this is new. <laughs> and yeah. we had been waiting a year and a half for this to happen. So We have a license um, to ride. Exactly. It's like, all right, we signed a contract. We are good to go. Nobody can yell at us anymore. We're gone. The guilt is gone from us, you know, Um, ourselves. But it just took away the the time that we were supposed to spend getting to know each other intimately. And, I mean, our honeymoon was supposed to be like nine days, I think, and it got cut short to four or five because I, I was just done. I, I, as soon as my period showed up, I was like, okay, there's no point in being here anymore. We're going home. And, um, and I, I experienced some pretty heavy feelings of rejection during that time. Cause I didn't realize that your period was happening. Yeah. I just knew you turned over and wouldn't touch me. Yeah. 
It was an asshole move. I I admit that now because back then I didn't really I didn't really think about it. I was just frustrated and I was hurt and I was concerned and I didn't know what to do. And at the same time, reality was hitting me that I am no longer living in my parents' home. I'm literally leaving Tahoe and going home to my new apartment with my husband. So a lot of things were going on. Mm-hmm. Um, when we returned home and we started living our lives together, I, I thought uh, stress was causing my cycles to be out of whack. Come to find out my hormones were all over the place. Um, one doctor screwed with us and not intentional, I'm sure, but they came back and told us that I couldn't get pregnant, which put a huge stress on me because this was one of the things that we had been talking about for over a year and a half was how bad we wanted to have kids. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't just want to have one or two. We wanted a large family. We had already discussed that. And, um, I was already starting to feel like I wasn't going to be able to do this. I'm, mm. I'm not going to be able to give you what you want and, um, or what I want. So it kind of, I, I went through an up and down period because every time my period would not show up or would show up late. I was constantly checking, are we pregnant? Are we not pregnant? You know, maybe we finally fix this. And I, I put a lot of stress on myself that I really didn't need to put on myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at that point, it was no stress for stress. Sex for us was no longer a connecting point. It was trying to fix a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're newlywed, You've already got enough stuff you've got to figure out. But now when you're taking the one thing that should be, um, for most people when they're first married, the first year, you're lucky if you see them because that's all we're doing. That's that's like where we're headed. We finally got a license to fly, man. We're out. Yep. The plane's and, in the air. Um, it, it just, it didn't do that for us. It kind of switched. Now, in between all of this, I was struggling with other issues because... I didn't feel like I was going to be able to give you what you wanted. I wasn't going to be able to live up to my end of the promise when we got married of being able to give you kids. Mm-hmm. I had already blown the not moving to Alabama thing, which was a huge gap for us. Yeah, it was tough. Um, you know, so we already had that against us. And then going back to um, our conversation before we got married, you know, yeah, it's a pants and dress thing. But it was something that he grew up with and that was taught to him. And it was pretty um, ingrained as part of who you were. Now, granted, he changed his mind. We were able to work through it. But I still had that hang up in the back of my head of what other things am I not going to measure up to. And and it doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily just accept everything about me because I didn't fit this bill at all (laughs) and that was just your take on it because you really didn't know yeah how i could and i wasn't able to do it in all areas but you really weren't aware of how if i flip a switch then the switch is is flipped yeah um i didn't know like i was struggling by myself quincy had no idea i wasn't talking he wasn't talking because if we could have sex and we could get ourselves in that place and we both got from point a to point b we were content, but I didn't know how to say I needed more. I didn't know how to say um, I, we weren't doing enough. I just, I didn't know how to approach it. And since we were already so many other stresses going on, it's like, do I really want to approach this and add more? 
because we didn't do conflict very well in the beginning. Quincy and I both um, are very good at going for the jugular. And I, I'm really, really quick. Not as so much anymore. I try really hard now. But before, I used to automatically fly on the defense. And I would go for the hurt so that you would shut up or whoever is bugging me or saying something would just stop. And nine times out of ten, I was pretty good at hitting the sore spot that shut people down. And I didn't want to do that to you. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't want to have that. I mean, we're married. We have to see each other every day. We sleep in the same bed. We live together. There's no getting away from this <laughs> if there's a problem. Um, I didn't know how to discuss what I needed or wanted sexually or physically at all. Um, I had desires. I had fantasies. Just like everybody else. But I was stuck with what I was taught or what I took to be law of those things are wrong. I'm not supposed to have fantasies. I am not supposed to have desires other than to desire my husband. It's like, okay, well, I got that. Mm -hmm. That's not a problem. But I needed, I desired for my husband to do other things besides what we were doing. I needed something more out of what we had going on. And I didn't know how to put that into words. And watching watching what I grew up with, now I'm not saying my parents are horrible, but my parents went through a really tough marriage for a really long time. And they're still married, so they've obviously figured out how to work things for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew there was cheating. I knew there was pornography. I knew there was lots of marriage therapy. Um, their arguments were cutthroat I mean they they were the ones who taught me to go for the jugular and it didn't just stop with them it stemmed into myself and my sister like if we if we pissed off my dad and we got into an argument dude he is quick and the things that he would say would just shut you down because how do you combat that you could but he's my dad so there's a a boundary there well I, I took that into our marriage of I could come at you but you're my husband there's a level of respect there that has to stay in place. And if I cross that, then I'm, I'm to know better than what I learned. You know what I mean? And I watching that and listening to how they talked about each other to listening how, you know, my dad and his friends joke about not getting any or, you know, and it wasn't always him. It was the group he was with. I will admit there were some guys that he hung out with it. I really had a hard time <laughs> even being in the same room with because they would talk crap about their wives and how they can't do this and they can't do that. And it's like, I don't want to hear about some guy's wife who can't give a blowjob or, you know, I could tap that and I'd probably get more out of her than I would out of my wife. And it's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And I'm not bashing my dad. Don't take it wrong. I'm saying this was what I grew up around from a young age. So it's what I expected. Hmm. It's what I learned guys perceived. Are you saying you expected the same product out of me because I was a guy? Probably. Okay. Part of me probably somewhere in the back of my head thought that. Like every time I thought back to youth group conversations or, um, you know, my friend's mom's talking to us because, of course, teenage girls, my mom didn't discuss it. My mom's way of putting it was, it hurts, it's horrible, don't do it. And I understand now it's because she just didn't want me to have sex before I was married. I get that. Gotcha. But 
I was still, I was learning things. She just didn't know I was learning things. And you don't talk to somebody who doesn't talk to you openly about it. So I had friends, moms who would, you know, try to help with the parenting and fantasies are wrong. You're not supposed to have sexual fantasies. You're not supposed to touch yourself. You're not supposed to do these things because, and our youth group experience and church experience solidified that in a lot of what they taught us. Um, I'm not bashing church. I'm not bashing parenting because obviously I'm a parent and we're learning how to navigate this now, but teaching us that in that manner was incorrect because I didn't know. No one ever added on. I could fantasize about my husband. That was okay. Yeah. I mean, the, I think maybe what you did, and you could say yes or no to this, but there's a chance that, you know, the church's idea, and I think it's a healthy idea as far as abstinence goes. So pre-marriage, maybe it's a good idea not to engage in those fantasies because you want to... Our goal was to make sure that we didn't have sex before we got married. Mm -hmm. So if it's in context, it's like, okay, well, that that makes sense. You know, if we're going to try to abstain and, you know, not have sex until after we're married. But um, you may have just taken that as concrete and as this is the way it is, period. Well, and then when we did our pre-marrieds, that didn't change. Okay. No one, no one approached that topic and it was like, okay, maybe there's something wrong with me because I'm, I've got a pretty good imagination and I can go to some pretty good places, but I didn't know it was okay. And, um, you know, I, I know it's not necessarily anybody's fault. This is how I took things. And the reason I'm saying this is because you just don't know how much your past really affects going forward and where you are now. Um, I had past relationships. I had past sexual relationships before I was with Quincy. Those one lasted for four years, but the emotional trauma from that relationship because that sex was used to manipulate and to keep me around. And I took it because I was craving attention. I was craving that, that connection with somebody. So I took it Mm -hmm. not knowing I was actually screwing myself up along the line. Um, I don't even think he knew it. I mean, we were both kids. Let's be honest. We we were both stupid children doing things we shouldn't have been doing without the the knowledge that we have now. Yeah, living with your teenage brain. Yeah, and the second one, it was the same thing. It was like both these people made comments during intimate moments that just shattered my ability to think, okay, so I'm not good at this or I'm not good enough at this or he's going to go to somebody else. Now, mind you, I had a father who cheated. So... It made sense to me that if I didn't satisfy that person, they would go somewhere else. It made Mm. sense. It's what I saw. It's what I knew. So I carried that concern with me of if I'm not what he needs or I'm not who he wants, he's going to go elsewhere. Yeah, you were playing the prevent defense. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, So after you and I had hard conversations about the dresses and the pants. And we came to finally agree that, you know, this doesn't affect us. 
this this doesn't pertain to us he's changed his mind because this doesn't fit what we know yeah and what we believe um so here's the kicker in that i knew what you said and i took it but my i was not willing to accept that you were mine that you were solidified in this that that was just one bump in the road but what other things am i going to fall short on and so even though you had made that decision i still had that hang up in the back of my head that if i cross a line somewhere you were going to change your mind hmm. now keep in mind again this is the pattern i saw growing up so it's not necessarily what i was taught verbally or what you had said or done it was simply the product of what i was surrounded with yeah doing what you see which is so much of what all of us do so i kind of i took that in context too when things weren't going the way i needed them to go sexually you know i i revert back to what i know I start berating myself and feeling guilty because I have fantasies, I have desires, I have these things that I want to do or I want to try and I just don't know where you're going to take this. And if I cross that line, are you going to change your mind? That was always in the back of my head. You, know, you can go back and listen. It, it's something that even came up when we had the kids and things just got too hard. It's like, is he going to decide that this is too much and he's just going to walk away? It was what I knew. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad didn't walk away completely, but he always dangled the string. Mm. And it was a constant in in our household when people would argue. He would take off for a while and not come back for hours. We didn't know where he went or what he did, but because of his past and his behavior, it was assumed we knew where he went and what he was doing. Yeah, And that's a really shitty place to live be it a child or a spouse to not know, but know the past. Mm-hmm. And so you're just constantly assuming he's out sleeping with someone else or he, the only thing I knew he didn't do was go out and drink. It was the only guarantee I had. I didn't know if he was going to stay married. He, they threatened divorce to each other constantly. Gotcha. And my sister and I were always in the back saying, okay, well, if this happens, we're going with this one. Or you go with that one and I'm going with this one, depending on what the situation was at the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I, I just, I didn't know what to expect coming into my own marriage, my own life of, okay, well, these are the arguments I heard. You're not enough. You don't do this. Um, you know, you don't get enough sex. You don't do the, you, you spend the money too much. You do all these things. These were common arguments. So for me, when those things would come up with us, I'm not, I am not crossing that bridge, dude. I don't know what's on the other side of it. And it, it kind of warped what I learned to do. I stopped being me Mm -hmm. and started becoming what I thought I needed to be. And that stemmed into the bedroom because I needed physical touch. That's like huge for me. But I got used to just not being in the same room and sleeping in Kirsten's room or not having that connection. And I accepted it, but it wasn't what I needed. It was just, this is life. So I'm just going to deal. And in doing that, I was starving myself from something. 
you know, I needed more in a sexual connection and I didn't know how to ask for it. Hell, I didn't even know what I wanted, Mm -hmm. but I knew I needed more. But because of our situation and how things had gone and the fact that we never discussed, what do you need from me? What's the connection that you want out of this? We just stuck to basics. You know, we were, we were having sex enough to keep us together and jokingly, that's where the now I'm human comment came from. Because you could tell when we, we were frustrated enough that we were ready to kill each other. It's like, okay, we just need to do this. Mm-hmm. And we were okay. Um, I, I didn't know how to be sexy. I didn't know how to appreciate my own body. I didn't know how. When we dated, I had no problem. Mm. I had no problem. Wearing clothes that I knew would attract your attention. I had no problem feeling good about my body. None of that ever bothered me. But we weren't living in the same house. and We weren't connected for the next hundred years of our life. So there was always a possibility you could bail. And if you bailed, you bailed. Marriage to me is permanent. This is a no bail policy. Well, that that was all at the same time where we were saying that that divorce was not an option for us, but you were keeping it an option because I thought you would make it an option. It was never an option in my head. I thought you would take it. Oh, you come from a product of three divorces. Yeah. Well, three marriages, two divorces. So I assumed because I, I'm doing what I saw and I was taught. So in my mind, this is what, you know, so when it gets to that point, if you really get to that point, that's what you're going to do because it's what you know. It was an expectation that I didn't mean to have, but it was flaunted constantly. So I just avoided a lot of stuff. What do you mean it was it was flaunted? Um, like you were throwing it out there or I was throwing it out there? No, we weren't throwing it out there. It was just... Um, things that came up in other conversations with other people, you know, I was getting pregnant to keep you trapped. What's going to happen when he decides that he doesn't want to have all those kids. That was coming from people in your life on your side. On yours. On my side. On yours. Oh, well, remember I got hammered for getting pregnant a few times because it was my fault. Oh, well, those people were having stupid moments. Trapping you. Um, there, there were, yeah, just the, the logistics of that is just stupid because we're in California, but we'll leave that alone. <laughs> um, but again, I didn't know, I didn't know how to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. So we had all these compiling factors around us, but we never talked about it. When we did talk about it, it was kind of in passing of, well, yeah, my dad does that crap all the time. You know what I mean? It was never a real conversation. <coughs> drink water um but it carried over because i always worried that you would come to some conclusion at some point that maybe you made the wrong decision and that maybe um my rebelliousness is going to cross over that that line you had between you and god and then then what are you going to do because i didn't fit the mold i none of this was going on in my head um, no, you were trying to make money and make those ideas happen and take care of the family. So you had no clue any of this was going on. But while you were doing that, I thought you were 
trying to spend time away from me because you couldn't be around us. So I'm, I'm, I know that the guys have heard this, but this is the point. The things that are going on internally that are not spoken are the things that rip apart a marriage hmm. because it wasn't just unspoken expectations. It was unspoken hurts. It was unspoken fear. It was, um, I had my own insecurities going on that you knew nothing about. Yeah. And it wasn't that you were to blame for them. But you were the fear factor. Because if you rejected me for anything, that was it. It was going to crush me. So I didn't put anything out that you could reject. I just chose to conform to whatever I thought was necessary. Now, when we, um, like, I didn't feel comfortable. We got pregnant a lot. <laughs> and I my body went all over the place. And you constantly tell me I'm beautiful. But if I don't feel that way about myself, if I can't look at myself without berating myself, your words are awesome and they help, but they don't fix. Yeah. So, you know, wanting to dress sexy, wanting to put on lingerie, I didn't know how to approach it. I didn't know what to do with it. Well, it, the fact <clears> is, <throat> is that my words with all of this, and everybody knows, listens to this, I'm not some psychiatrist doctorate anything so i'm just giving you my point of view but with all that inner dialogue going on about me and your fear of what i was gonna do and you know that i was that you were destined to disappoint me all these things going on almost it's almost like no matter what i told you it wasn't gonna reach you anyway because you had your defense is up expecting the mm -hmm. worst thing was going to happen. And early in our marriage, we both got distracted by Life. Um, <laughs> your health, like your, um, your health when you're pregnant with Hunter, yeah. how volatile that pregnancy was. And then after he was born and he was born, um, disabled, he was born disabled and had a, an issue with his ear and, you know, we didn't know if he was partially deaf or w what. Then the focus went from worrying about you to worrying about this child. Mm -hmm. And then the very next pregnancy was even more. Surprise, there's three. <laughs> yeah, and it was even more volatile and to yeah. the point of you having to go in the hospital. So these, you had a lot of time alone. Uh-huh. And the people that surrounded me were too small to talk. So these these things, these are battles that because of your past, it was like you were you were creating and fighting these very battles and we didn't know how to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And so you didn't have an ally. And I couldn't talk to anybody else because, again, I am not berating my family, but... If I talk to someone who's in a marriage that's been rough and their automatic response is to slam the man, that's what they're going to do when I tell them what I'm dealing with. It's going to be your fault that I'm having these thoughts or these ideas. It's going to be you not doing enough to take care of me or to reassure me. And you've got no freaking clue this stuff is going on. Right. So 
I couldn't go outside of the two of us because I didn't know where to go. You know, we had one family that we hung out with all the time and the way he treated his wife, if you ever thought to treat me that way, I would have pulled the divorce card because there's no way I could be treated that way and, and live with it because it's what I saw. I hated it. I hated it growing up. It's like it, there's nothing worse for a kid than to love someone so much but have absolutely no respect for them. Hmm. It's hard. It's like I can love you to death, but I cannot respect you because of what you're doing to each other. This is not okay. But growing up in it, I had no voice in it and I didn't know any better. So it, I didn't have anywhere to go. Talking to my sister, my sister and I at the time weren't close. She had her own kids. She had her own stuff going on. They were moving and, and you know, going through their own life. So we didn't really connect until years later. So I didn't have that either. I couldn't go to your family. I mean, that's just not smart. Let's go to Quincy's family and tell them I'm feeling like shit and it's Quincy's fault. They are all going to slam me to the wall because... Like me, their job is to protect you. So what's the point? No one was going to understand what I was going through because nobody could tell me without a bias on either side. And I didn't have a whole lot of friends at the time. We had kids and we had a lot going on. So a lot of the friends that we had slowly dissipated because this was just a lot to deal with. And they had their own lives going on They too, did. And, so. I, and I'm not bashing anybody for it. When you are constantly in and out of the hospital... So every time someone talks to you, that's your primary conversation is, yeah, well, Jeannie's down at UCLA right now. And, you know, I've got to get the kids over to her mom's house because I've got to go to work. This was our life mm -hmm. for a really long time. So whenever someone would call, it wasn't like we're in the middle of joy and excitement. We were just in the middle of getting through it. <laughs> yeah. Really, that's that's the extent of it. But what ended up happening was um, I stayed in this place of what if you reject me? What if I cross a line? What if you're not able to look at me the same if I tell you what I need and you're not able to do it or it's not something you want? And I didn't know how to process it. I didn't know how to talk about it. Um, you know, we had all of these pregnancies and... I, I love my children. I've birthed eight beautiful kids. I have extras now that I didn't birth, but they're still mine. Mm -hmm. And I love all of them. But the damage done to my body and the hormones that went... I mean, you, having one kid, you got hormone issues. Because I'm pumping hormones for two people. Yeah. And it's skyrocketed. When you're doing it for three, and they're all girls... This is a whole other level of estrogen overload. Like I couldn't think straight half the time. And then I was medicated for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. So I was emotionally all over the map. I mean, Quincy can tell you, I had days in the hospital that I just, I mean, I couldn't stop crying and nothing was wrong. I just couldn't stop crying. I had days where the nurse would warn him when he got to the door, she's in a mood, like tread lightly. They think you can't hear them. I could hear them. But, I, you know, it, it is what it is. It was just what we had to deal with. But 
when we came out of the pregnancies and my body had changed and autism autism's running rampant, we've got seizures going on, we've got hospital stays going on, we've got Quincy trying to work every which way he can to make income so that we don't lose our house. Our intimacy connection was just gone. And I didn't know how to approach it. Yeah, it's almost like we looked at it maybe just looking back, you know, we didn't have time to do it. But really, it's one of those situations where we didn't have time not to do it. Yeah. Because it would have been something that had we known that would strengthen, greatly strengthen our relationship. So. Well, we got to where we talked about household business. Um, our way of, of connecting was to tell each other, um, I need 10 minutes or do you think you can have sex tonight? Because it's been a while. It got to where we could actually count days be like it's been like two weeks babe I'm like wow okay that's that's not normal in a newlywed marriage <laughs> you know I, it shouldn't be i can't i can't say it isn't it shouldn't be normal well but, i mean it's not it's not the norm <laughs> whatever normal is like we talked about the last yeah. time it's not the norm for our relationship now but it was hard because neither one of us knew how to initiate anything we were both gun shy because we were both riding our own emotional roller coasters. So we didn't know. I know for me, it's like I I could probably initiate and you would say yes. That was no problem. But I never knew what I was going to get. If it was just going to be mechanics and we were just going to get it done or if we were actually going to have enough time to enjoy each other and take it a little bit further. I didn't I didn't know and I didn't know how to say I need more than 10 minutes tonight, dude. I, I need us to do something more than... Just hearing this. it, it sounds like it's so simple. It's something we, you just would think, could, we just could have said. You would think. But then I even struggled with, like I told you before, I struggled with things like lingerie. And I was laughing at myself when I was reading through this again because it's not that I don't enjoy those things. It's not that I, I don't... I don't want to be beautiful for you or that I don't want to be sexy. But I had these images in my head and I was reading through what I had written in my journal. It's like, I remember once being told that lingerie is just a way to make sure that he doesn't go somewhere else because if you dress like the whore, then he doesn't have to go find one. What? And I remembered the conversation when I was journaling this and then I looked at it today when I was going through the notes. I was like, oh... My gosh, this was one we should have talked about last time because thinking about it now, I totally understand why I struggled with whether or not I should wear lingerie and why you would be against it. Because if that's really what people thought or the person who told me that thought and it stuck in my head, can you imagine taking the, the good little church boy and dressing like a whore for him and where his mind would go? Like, I could totally see why that would screw me up. But, again, this is my perception of what I was told and how I was taught. I yeah. didn't know. And you would think, 20-something years old, we should have had some kind of clue. But we didn't. Guys, how would you like the opportunity to have a Zoom meeting with me, the Q-Dog, and my wife, Jeannie. That's right, a 30-minute Zoom meeting you can have 
if you go over to manversusmarriagepodcast.com, become a subscriber. That will enter your name in for a chance to win this exciting contest. Now listen, if you got a homeboy who listens, or maybe he doesn't listen, send him over to manversusmarriagepodcast.com, have him become a subscriber, and that will enter him to win. Then he sends me an email at coach at manversusmarriagepodcast.com, and guess what? That will enter you another time. There is no limit to how many times you can be entered, so go there now to manversusmarriagepodcast.com, become a subscriber, have your friends do the same, and alert me via email, and you could win the MVSM meet and greet via Zoom with Quincy and Jeannie from Man vs. Marriage, the podcast. That's right. I'll see you there. Go get it done. Don't be a slacker. Get to work. Q-Dog is out. So I, I just kept all this stuff quiet. Now, what changed, obviously, we, we went to the um, marriage seminar, and when they started talking about lingerie, I, that's why it hit me the way that it did. Because if I dress like a whore, that's what you want, right? But then when it came from who it came from, and he's saying it from behind a pulpit, and this is a man I trust wholeheartedly to not BS me. He doesn't sugarcoat, and he doesn't preach like the typical person so for him to come out and say y'all need to go dress it up you need to get some lingerie you need to to do something I was like wait a minute hold up time out he did not tell me go look like a whore he did not tell me do this so that you wouldn't go anywhere he told me this is what men like we like to see you feel sexy we like to see you feel beautiful that makes sense to me now yeah. because when you and I go places and I take the three or four days beforehand to go get my nails done and color my hair and, you know, get my outfits put together and spend the time to buy the little nightgown or whatever it is, you get excited watching me take that time. Yeah, I love it. So I didn't know any of this until you and I had that conversation where you said, I love it when you do this. It's like, oh, I didn't realize I did it. I just was trying to be pretty because we were going to be gone for a few days. I can actually get up and put my face on and not feel like I'm dragging ass all day long because mm-hmm. it took me an extra 30 minutes getting out of bed today. Um, so I had learned what I had learned over the course of doing the marriage seminar and the um, living life by design was I had become what I thought people around me wanted me to become or what was expected of me without knowing what your expectations actually were. So I had, I took care of the kids. Granted, our house was a mess all the time. But on my defense, you raise eight little people while your husband goes to work all day. And um, you tell me how clean you keep things while you're trying to keep food and bills paid and your own sanity and they stopped napping. What the hell was that? They stopped napping. Naps were like my golden time of day because I got a nap. <laughs> but all of those things were going on and I thought I was, I mean, we were going to church. We were doing what we were supposed to be doing. So I thought I was doing what was right. 
when we did the disc test and I got that, you know, everything was congruent and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking it's congruent and it's bullshit. Yeah. And I knew it. I knew down to the core of me it was crap. And I, so I decided I, I need to make a change. I need to talk to Rita. I need to figure out what was going on. Well, in all the years that we did counseling, I always thought she used to talk about my iceberg. And the bottom of the iceberg is what she's trying to get to because all I ever show anybody is the surface, what's on top of the water. And I always thought autism was going to be at the base of that iceberg because autism was the thing that I did not talk about. I don't talk about the pain. I don't talk about what it does to us. I don't talk about the internal struggles mm-hmm. other than to you. And so I thought for sure that's where it's going to go. So I always treaded lightly and come to find out the bottom of that iceberg was rejection, fear of rejection. Oh, yeah. Everywhere from everything. And uh, so I kind of took the ideas that we had learned. And um, because according to the test that we took back then, I was a dominant personality and my strength was to be in control and to, um, I- I'm supposed to be the one that's in charge. I just met, I'm very decisive. I'm supposed to make things happen. Um, no, no, I'm not. I'm not at all. And I knew this, but everybody else that we talked to and not just the people in the class, but people that, that knew us, always thought I was in control. I had, you know, I had patience of Joe because I've got eight kids. Yeah, Quincy's making a face. Y'all, that ain't true. That is not true. I've got the shortest fuse in the world. But I finally figured that out. So, and I laughed because I told Quincy, I took the test again a few weeks ago. And I laughed at myself because I already knew what the outcome was going to be. And when I took it honestly this time, it's like, yeah, um, so I'm a high I and a high C, like they are almost the exact same height. My D and my S are like down here mm-hmm. in the bottom. And my strength is my emotions. Mm-hmm. My strength is my protectiveness and my nurturing for my kids. And yeah, okay, so you might see that as dominant because if you do something to screw with my kids, I am a whole other world to deal with. Yeah. But... I run on emotions and this whole freaking time fear is a huge emotion and it ran everything. So I didn't open up anything. And what's funny is the one thing that we were taught in all these different places that we've been in all these different books and podcasts and all stuff. One of the greatest places in a marriage where you can connect and fix some of those things, which I should have known because San Diego should have told me. San Diego should have told me that that, that, that having that intimate time could fix a lot of the shit. It didn't. I, I don't know why it didn't click for so long. But sex is the place to go. When you're feeling that that lost feeling, sex is the place to go. When you've had a crappy day at work and everything is pounding on you and you can't see straight, that's what brings you back to... As long as I can connect with my wife, I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. Everything else can storm around me, but you and me are okay. We didn't know that until way later. Now that we know that, it's like bad day. Okay, I know it's on the agenda. (laughs) No problem. But it took 
us going through all of this stuff, like I didn't know what true intimacy was until we sat down with Rita and started talking about what does it look like? What do you need? I need physical touch. Okay, but what does that mean? Right. You know, it works the same way with sex. If you just say, I want to have sex, what do you need? Do you just need to have sex and penetrate and get off and you're happy and you're done and you're okay? That's great if that's what you need. Quickies are awesome. I'm not saying they aren't, but there's so much more to this. Mm-hmm. And if you or your spouse are in the headspace of not being good enough or not wanting to disappoint or insecure in yourself or whatever else is going on around you, you're not going to talk about these things. You're not going to be honest about these things. And that might be what you need. You know, it's a huge joke with me and Quincy because he'll he'll tell me, you know, you better knock it off or you're going to get a spanking. I always laugh back and say, don't threaten me because it's a good time for me. Now, mind you, to some people, it's a joke. To some people, it's not. But a spanking is actually a stress relief. And I know a lot of people don't think that way, but it actually kind of is because it takes the guilt away. When you spank your child when they do something wrong, you are punishing for what's just happened and forgiving immediately. There's no further punishment. It's done. It works the same way. I'm not saying Quincy whips my ass, so don't, I don't want all these emails coming in of like, you know, you're telling you about spanking your wife. He does not spank me in that method. I'm just. Don't worry. We'll probably get letters about spanking children too, but it's okay. I refuse to raise assholes and that's the end of that discussion. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, I looked at different things of, I started researching what, what helps me feel better and what can you do to help me feel better? And what can I do to help you feel better and make this connection more? And the more I started learning and and actually listening, I mean, it was the one marriage conference that got us started talking. Yeah. We talked after Rita. I mean, we had to have some really hard talks when it came to our sex life because there were some things that we were like, I don't know how to approach this. And this hurt my feelings. And I need to have this conversation with you. But I don't want us to not have sex again because I said this to you. We had a couple of those conversations after counseling, but it was necessary. But we learned how to be vulnerable, how to be a soft place to land, how to listen without judging. You know, we learned those tools before we approached those conversations. Yeah. Some tools that we have that were given were immediate. Some tools you have to learn how to work with them. You've got to master them for some you know, things before you, it's like you any, jump in. Yeah. It's like anything in life. You know, if you are trying to repair a machine, just relating it to the business that we're in. If you try to repair a machine and you're using a tool that's not allocated or specific for that particular job, then chances are it's not going to be effective. And let's say there is a tool that you, that's the right tool for the job, but if you don't have experience with it, then the tool is not going to be effective. Yeah. So it takes that. Now, one thing I want to jump back to um, is you talking about who you were, you run by emotions, um, your disc analysis, et cetera. I only know of one person that uh, saw through all that bull crap with the disc. Rita. <laughs> no, it's not Rita. I, I told you from the beginning, and I recall telling you this specifically, that I see you. 
whatever yeah. this hard shell, this tough girl attitude. Yeah, you did. Uh, we that were. I, I, I saw who you were. Yeah. And that was the you. That was part of the you that I loved. Now this, you know, I'm a tough girl routine. There's a time and place for it, you know, because you can be a tough girl. But I saw your heart through it all from the day that I met you. I saw your heart. So um, I just wanted to make the point that I knew who you were no matter what the disc analysis said. Good point. Irrelevant point, but a point I wanted to make. But we, once we started talking with Rita and we started having the first couple of hard talks and it came out, you know, rejection and resentment were two huge things Mm -hmm. that we were both harboring. And then once we brought that out, whenever a subject came up where rejection might be an issue, it was already understood where this came from. And we already knew... Okay, we've 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 been here before. It's gonna keep coming up. It's it's one of those ugly things that you still have to battle throughout your life, but you have to know when to recognize it, mm-hmm. and then you have to know what to do with it. And I think what helped us when it came to the intimacy stuff was we started listening to Tony and Alyssa, and it, I did go back and find it. It was the one about masturbating with your spouse. That was the one that we listened to on the road, um, and it shocked me because again. And it's just me. I have a huge stigma in my head when it comes to church stuff because a lot of what I was taught, I do not agree with anymore. And so when I hear it and I hear it taught the way that I would believe it, it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Who are you? I'd like to talk to you for a second. You know, I want to hear what you have to say because it's not a fear-based or a, um, you know, how screwed up you are kind of message. Yeah, it's not rooted in condemnation. It's not... It's it's what it's what we learned about righteousness consciousness, which is kind of the catalyst of who we've become. And like we said earlier on the podcast, we're the Christian faith. We're Christians, but our podcast is not Christian. Yeah, it's not focused around you know religion and church and and whatnot. I mean, we don't force our faith on people, mm-hmm. but we are we are practicing Christians. We don't go to church. You know, that's things have changed for us but when the old residue remains it can really create a haze for how you see things i don't know how much and for what this is worth i don't know how much of me feeling feeling rejected by you was your own projection on me could be for rejection i don't know i have no idea but we're, we're obviously going forward from here. We have more to learn about reje- rejection and insecurity along in our relationship still to today. Well, and I, I've been thinking about it and kind of going over all this stuff and realizing had we had these conversations before, we wouldn't have these hangups and we wouldn't be still dealing with these things I don't think as heavily you know, rejection is still something that we, we deal with. I still have a hard time telling you about sexual expectations and needs. I still have a hard time bringing stuff to you, but we've learned. And again, this is a practice. Quincy has learned to tell by my body language, by my tone of voice, 
by my actions, something's up. Or how to approach asking me when something's off without setting me off. And he has that permission to do it. That's the whole thing. We didn't have permission in the beginning. We didn't know we had to. Right. We, we didn't know, you know, what we knew was if you're acting like an asshole, I'm just going to tell you, you're being a dick, dude. That doesn't go well. Because I didn't have permission to do that and you didn't like hearing those words coming out of my mouth. So this is not okay for us. But we're in a place now where if you're acting off, I'm going to tell you, attitude, what's up? You Like the other night when you came in, dude, you are grumpy. Yeah. And he didn't even realize that it was coming off as really being grumpy. Oh, I was, I was, I did. I was grumpy and I was acting grumpy. And then you acknowledge, you, you said it and I was like, why am I being grumpy? Well, I was grumpy about this other situation and I just allowed it to bleed into the moment. And I, you, you hear that, you get a wake up call, you get a pat on the tail and say, hey, I'm going to coach you up, pal. You're right. I got to get rid of this crap. But that's the point. Before, if I had said that when he came in the door, well, yeah, I'm grumpy. And, you know, because it's something that we just, it was like fighting words. You know, we, we just expected when somebody said something like that, you just have to argue it and fight it back. So putting that into perspective with the sexual stuff, not being able to communicate or have that permission to say, Babe, I just need you to give me a massage tonight. And if we, you know, get there, great. If we don't, I just need the touch. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know how to do that because when we were younger, anything that we did that was naked led to sex. That's just the way it was. And if I didn't want it to lead to sex, I just didn't ask for it. But we started with Rita and everything else. What we ended up doing is when we started listening to The One Extraordinary Marriage, um, we taught, we listened to that first one about masturbating with your spouse and it just gave me a different perspective on what we were taught because me personally, I was always taught that masturbation was wrong, period, because it leads you into lust, it leads you into fantasies, into impure thoughts. And then if you're doing it without your spouse, or if you're doing it, it means that your spouse isn't needing your me, your need, or, you know, maybe you're addicted to sexual touch or sexual friction and it's like okay i understand sex addiction is a thing i understand that but i don't find myself thinking it's wrong that i need you to do me way more than once or twice a week i don't think this is wrong i don't think that's wrong either <laughs> his face I want to let me jump in right, right quick, um, and say this. This is going to be a mega episode. Sorry. I I don't even think we should split it. I think we just need to let the episode go. Our our audience can listen as long as they like, pause it, and then keep listening. So we'll keep this one episode. But for those of you, I hope you're picking up what Jeannie's putting down, which is the this is a woman's perspective on all of the background noise that is going on in her and it affected her sexuality. It affected her sexual intimacy. It affected her ability um, to feel beautiful, wanted. Sex drive. It affected her sex drive. She can continue to tell you all the areas that it affected. Now, here's what, I, here's what I'm going to suggest. 
that you pause right now after you get a pen and paper, pause. Okay, if you've come back after pausing, I'm going to give you a list of episodes that is going to help you create these dynamics of communication. It's going to give you somewhere to start. Because I don't know, maybe you're a hundred times, maybe you're just one time smarter than me and Jeannie, and you have your crap together, whether you're a newlywed or whatever, and you can take this information, go get it from your wife, and immediately put it into practice. But if you're anything like us, you need the right tools in your toolbox to help you with whatever this repair or creation is. Some things you build from scratch. Some things are built and need to be repaired. Some things just need maintenance. And that is, you know, where things are. So just just begin here. And I know you're listening to a long episode, but if you start at episode... um, 122, you'll get a background, some background on what our story is with 122, 123, and 124. That's where we tell you about these things in our life. And it's, although it's three episodes, it's still the shortened version, okay? And then from there, you're going to go into um, 125, which is Steps to a Better Marriage, Part 1. And that's where we start laying out systematically um, this plan of how you can become a better communicator, how you can become a better listener, how you, you start to understand that you and your wife don't think the same. Even if you know it, you can actually get into the details. You can get into the weeds of how differently you both think. And then you can use that as a tool to support one another. And then you get into um, mastering communication and, like Jeannie said several times, creating a soft place to land. Now, in a sex podcast, when you're talking about hard and soft, usually it has to do with other things. (laughs) But if you go to episode 130, when you get there, you'll see creating a soft place to land, which is the guide to silencing insecurity in your relationship. And that's what these things do. But understand that this is playing out after we have done these episodes. We start to learn more about each other. Thereby, we start to discover some things that were hidden. Because we spent over a decade working through these things together. But that doesn't mean everything is fixed. No, we didn't even... Like this stuff that I wrote out in my journaling, I hadn't really thought about it in a while. It wasn't something that... that because I didn't feel like it was really affecting us anymore until the last week when we had a couple of issues come up and I was like, oh, crap. Okay, I know what this is. But writing it out and looking back over it now, it's like, dude, I didn't even know all of this was going on at the time. It's looking back on it and processing through it now and going, okay. So in learning... And prepping for what we're about to do in this next series, all this stuff is coming back and it's just reiterating to me, this is where we were and this is how far we've come. And now we're, you know, we went from good to better and now we're well on our way to best. And that's, that's where I want us to be. 
And it, it, it can be a scary place it to is. be in transition. It you is. Know? It's scary. Um, and remember part of the, not that I'm your professor, honey, um, but just reiterating the point. It's one of my personal philosophies, you know, and I've said it on the show many times. It's hard to see the picture when you are standing in the frame. Some things you can only see once you get outside of the frame, turn around and look back at what the picture was. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean it's all fixed. That just means you acknowledge that this was a situation and now you need to know what to do with it. Agreed. And so looking at that, you know, we come to episode... You got 130, 131, which is creating a soft place to land. A very, 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 very fantastic tool that Coach Rita taught us, you know. And then something that was breakthrough in our marriage that my southern butt came up with one day, um, just out of the blue, it's say it ugly, and then we'll clean it up. It's given you that a, one you're definitely going to need when you're talking in the bedroom. I'm just throwing it out there because it, there are some things that. You know, you have to, you might have to get into description with when you're trying to explain what you want, because I don't know what that looks like. And I'm not saying that because I need to go look at a video for it. I'm saying it because okay, this, this is just going to be straight out. When you go to buy a toy and you're looking it up and it shows you the video and it's like, these are the uses for it. And you're like, okay, this looks cool. And then they send it to you and you've got a piece of paper that has five little drawings yeah. and you're looking at it going, the hell? This is no, this is not what it we have to have the conversation that is awkward, very awkward, but very straightforward of and descript. What the heck you know? do we do with this thing? But again, it's one of those if you can agree to say it ugly, because it's really hard, especially in a sexual moment, to be like, this this is not working. This is just not working. Now, some people you might have the ability during sex to say whatever. And you're good. I don't have that mechanism. I do not have the ability to go, yeah, no, no, just stop. Because I don't want to break the moment. And, and Quincy and I have had issues in the past where when the wrong thing is said at the wrong time, it, it hurts and it causes a problem. This is something we're still working through. That's my point. Not everything is going to just get cleaned up and be perfect as you're moving forward. 22 years later, we still have some of these hangups and it's not that we, we, they just don't stop us anymore. Now it's like, okay, this happened. We know it happened. We understand why it happened. Now we need to talk about it. Yeah. And we need to talk about it ugly because I don't know any other way to say it. And I, I'm, you know, I am really great with words on paper. I suck at words in person, but well, giving that freedom to say, yeah, this is like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> I want to make the distinction, too, that say it ugly and, and, and we'll clean it up goes far beyond sex. It, it does. It goes far beyond. And, and I'm never for being disrespectful to somebody, but sometimes you got to say how you're feeling and you just do not know how to say it. And there's a lot of, you know, anxiety that comes along with saying something and you don't know how it's going to land, but you still need to get it off your chest. But with the term say it ugly and clean it up later, you're giving the preface to the person you're talking to to say, okay, I'm just going to say this ugly which means don't take this personal, but I've got no other vocabulary to express this. Yeah. So just hear me out and then maybe you can help me figure out how to say this right so that we both understand each other. It's just putting out the preface. I'm not doing this to hurt you. I just don't know how to say it. Right. 
Right, and and we never take advantage of this crap. Uh, that that is, I think that's just don't a, use it to manipulate. Yeah, that's a that is a a common agreement that Jeannie and I have made. Um, so then you know you go over to uh, one thirty five, which is what does that look like? And then on up from there, one thirty six is hard talks. 137 is buzzwords, yet another thing that just absolutely changed the dynamics of our relationship. 138 is arguments, the rules of engagement, arguing, fussing, fighting, etc. Um, and then uh, we got two episode 139s, which is interesting. I didn't notice that until now. Um, and then we start the series on basic needs and love languages. Um, and... Though I think these are some of the episodes that are crucial to understand the language that goes on in this podcast, because that's what's going to help you with your communication and your marriage. We use a lot of language. We know what it means. And that's why we make podcasts um, that are centered around what that language means so you know what it looks like. And you can utilize that to benefit yourself and your marriage. So be advised and then go get on that. And then, you know, get if if you and your wife, if she's a podcast listener or maybe you're the wife listening and your husband is or maybe y'all aren't even married yet because, you know, there's some. I get there. It's weird because when I tell people man versus marriage is like, I don't want to compete against my wife. It's like, well, you're not. You're you're both on the same team. And, you know, competing to win against marriage. There's a lot of odds that are against, yeah. you know, a lot of statistics relationships and, and marriage. So I realize that it, it does have some negative connotations and maybe, you know, might need some work and go put something else out that's more attractive name-wise to the, to the people. Just so it's, oh, so more people are open maybe. to listening to the podcast. Maybe. Uh, maybe. But with that being said... Is there is there anything else that you want to cover? This is very valuable information. This is insight that guys just do not get. We don't get this in uh, any other format. I would say if any of this pertains to you, and you'll you'll get Quincy's journey here too. So you're going to get the guy's side of what we went through and what our sex life was like, and um, you know where his mindset was because this is just me now mind you our situation is not the same as everybody else's we have eight kids we had five pregnancies back to back to back now we have the ninth child you know they're all teenagers life has changed autism is hell on one day and fun the next so you know our dynamic is not the same as yours so your wife not may not have the same insecurities or issues that I did your upbringing may have been very different maybe you both had great marriage examples Purcell said him and his wife had great marriage examples but still no one really taught them the full extent of what sex in a marriage was if that's you I would suggest now is a time to start talking about these things and figure out are there hang-ups are there insecurities are there things that we need to discuss are there things we want to learn do want to know about it my thing right now which is just blowing my mind is i'm fascinated with figuring out how all this stuff is connected just the sex itself connected to the benefits for my health and how my mind works and the the my anxiety issues that i have 
I'm really curious to see how all this stuff connects because if it's as simple as my husband can give me what I need to not let these things rule my life and to live a healthier, longer life, you're getting laid a lot more often, babe. I'm just telling you. I would say that the prognosis <laughs> is good. <laughs> You're and dork. that we should write this prescription down on paper. You're such a dork. <laughs> uh, we'll go to Quincy's journey next, and then we'll give you a small playbook so that you at least have some um, resources to get through. But we're going to continue this series on and discuss further, you know, how to... Um, better your sex life and talk about your expectations and your needs and your wants and desires and doing them on purpose. Yeah. Sexpectations. I'm going to make that word right now. I'm going to write it down. Sexpectations and sexcapades. I like these two things. Coin that. Somebody get that, uh, somebody get that trademarked for me. Sexpectations. What are your sexpectations? I think I've already heard it somewhere, but we'll get it. That's a lie. Okay. (laughs) There we go. Fantastic episode. Just way, way behind the curtain, um, guys. So something extremely beneficial. And for the girls that are uh, are in the Man versus Marriage Nation, first of all, I want to thank you for that. Um, I want to thank you for listening, for your support. And if you have parts of your journey that you want to share with us that may benefit the Man versus Marriage Nation, just know that you can by emailing coach at manversusmarriagepodcast.com. And it's easy to get in contact with us if you go to the website too, manversusmarriagepodcast.com. And it's man, V like victory, S like success, not spelled out, which you probably know by now. But you can send that over. And we 100% commitment uh, to you on keeping you anonymous if that is what your desire is. And we will refer to you as a Jill or a Jack, a Jack or a Jill. So that uh, your experience, sometimes hearing your experience also helps you gain perspective because I'll listen to our shows and I'll hear mine and Jeannie's experience and it'll give me kind of a, a whole different perspective, as odd as that may sound. So feel free to send it in and then uh, and, and let us know your thoughts on the program and then, you know, what we can do to help you further in this journey of your sexpectations. Yeah. All right. She is Jeannie Moran. I am Quincy Moran. And this is Man vs. Marriage. The the podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose. For a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast.